0: Well, like Bo said, my name is Win Lee. It's short for Winfield. I'm from Statesboro, Georgia. Um, born and raised in Statesboro. Went to Bullock Academy, then went to Georgia Southern and played baseball for a year, then graduated for Georgia Southern um, May 2016. And now I'm at school at Liberty online, getting my master's in Christian ministry. Um, but like you said, I'm, I'm the new director of evangelism and outreach at, at Guido Ministries. Um, it's been such a privilege and just such a... Awesome time just to be able to work with people. Right now, we're delivering about thirty-eight thousand seeds to people, so that's thirty-eight thousand lives that are being touched every day by by a message coming out of Metro Georgia. Um, we have about twelve thousand people in the prison ministry, and that's just it's just booming. The prison ministry is, and every day we have people writing in, um, just prayer requests after prayer requests, just asking us to pray on their behalf. The other day, I got a letter that was it was my first letter addressed to myself. Um, from a prisoner, and I think he was in San Diego, and he wrote, and he said, I've written 12, 12 um, separate ministries, and I know that you're the only one that will answer me. So that's what Guido's is doing, and it's just such a privilege, it's just such an honor to, to be able to work for him. What's going on is we have a golf tournament coming up on May 26th, Um we'd love to have you all as teams or sponsors or um, volunteers, and then this Friday, this coming Friday, we will have a good Friday service. Um, Men of Praise will do, be doing the worship and then Brandon Williams from Connection Church will be doing the message. So I really encourage you all to be there. Um, but I do not like to talk about myself. And I believe that this is a time that we should dig in together at God's Word. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, my, our, my message is called The Three Crosses. And the scripture is Luke 23. I'm just going to start in verse 32. It says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to a place that is called the skull there they crucified him and the criminals one on his right and one on his left and jesus said father forgive them for they do not know what they do let us pray father god we just beg for your spirit god we just we just ask for you to come and enter our hearts god open our eyes open our hearts to to who you are god that we may leave here change god that we will this will not just be a service god but it will be an encounter with the savior god that we don't just come to church god and and leave and and not change God, but that we experience your grace, we experience your mercies, God, God, I pray that that, that you that nobody sees me, God, that they only see you, that you just you, every word that I say is from you, God, and not of myself, God, we just pray for pray for the people, God, we pray for the people outside of this church and matter, God, we pray for Candler County, we pray that we can be the church to go in, to them, God, that we can bring the gospel to them and God that they will meet you. Lord, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this text we see Jesus and, and two criminals. And Jesus is going to the cross, and this is the end of his his life his life, obviously, because um, he's going to be crucified. And he's hanging on the cross and with these two criminals. And if you think about it, and as I thought about it and prayed through it, I thought. Man, God, why, why do you? At the end of Jesus's life, like the, ban- the the credits are about to roll, we think, and you see Jesus and two unnamed criminals, and it made me think of a, a sports like the SEC championship or the the basketball championship just got done, and we think about the NCAA tournament and and the Tar Heels won, and and Roy Williams gets um, interviewed at the end of the game. Roy Williams and his two favorite players, his two best players on the team, and then you see Jesus. You see God entering the picture with Jesus and two criminals. But he doesn't even give them a name. And I was just thinking, like, why God? Why, why do you come on the stage with these two unnamed criminals? And then I realized that that's what God's message is. That's who God is to us. That, that we are the criminals. And that's what I'll be talking about. But we have three crosses here today. First we have the, the old rugged cross that we just sang about. as, the, as the Jesus' cross. It's the cross of reconciliation or redemption. This is the this is the cross, the sinner's cross that we that we so adore as a Christian church. And then the second we had the the cross of rejection. We had the the criminal on the right that that rejects Jesus, and then we had the the criminal on the left that is the cross of repentance. Um, but first, we're going to talk about Jesus's cross. And one thing that's important is is how did Jesus get there in the first place? Why is Jesus on the cross? And see that Jesus. Jesus is on the cross for us. Jesus is on the cross for our sin, that our jealousy, our arrogance, our, our pride, our strife, our, our cowardice, that on the, G- on the cross Jesus became sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might, have, we might become the righteousness of God. As we read the Gospels, we see, begin to see that the Jewish leaders were jealous of because he was gaining a mass of followers, that secular leaders thought of him as a nuisance because he was creating a controversy to Rome. The Jewish people were disappointed because he hadn't overthrown, and the disciples were confused. So one betrayed him, and the others were just so confused about him that he, they abandoned him. That Jesus is hanging on the cross by himself. But God's message from the beginning was to make criminals righteous. We see it from Genesis to Malachi that this is God's. God's future plan that everything points to it by the cross by this cross it is possible um, and a, my favorite ev- example of this is in Leviticus and in Leviticus you see the the male um, the head male of each family will go and they'll get a lamb a perfect lamb unblemished lamb and they'll put their hand on the lamb and and um, the priest will come and he'll slit the throat of the lamb and the, the sins of the family of the male's family We'll go on to that Lamb. And it's just a picture of, of in John 1:39. Jesus is walking up, and John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That the man on this cross is our Lamb. His name is Jesus. The gospel can be summed up in four words: Jesus in my place. That Jesus didn't just die for us, he died instead of us. That by Jesus dying this horrible painful death that no innocent sin-free man deserved he bridged the gap so that we no longer have to work to heaven we no longer have to try to do good we no longer have to have to depend on ourselves or our own works to get there but he came down and did it for us that whenever we accept and rest in the finished work of the cross that we are granted that freedom to be with him because his name now becomes ours um now on to the criminals verse 39 See, growing up, I, I was both of these criminals. That I grew up, and I was going to church, and I, I thought going to church was enough. I thought being good and looking good and putting on the the church clothes and putting on the church clothes Sunday through Monday, and and I thought that was it. I thought that being good was made me made me into a Christian. As I looked around church, I saw a bunch of people that were like me that that had the same mindsets, that had the same mindset of that I can just be good, and that's that's good. That's enough. I'm I'm okay with that. That Christianity and appealing to people that are my age because everyone in the church is trying to prove that, that they're better than the other church. That's what I saw. Um, they would go on to church on, on Sunday mornings, and on Monday through, through Friday, they would be cussing and being prideful for the rest of the week. In college, I began to, despite God, I began to, to look at people and say, Christianity can't be real, how is it evident? How does this person have God when they don't show anything, when they don't act any differently? If God's supposed to make us new, why is this person still the same? Why is this person still not doing anything? That was what I looked. I, looked, I didn't look at the Bible, I looked at Christians. I said, the Bible can't be real, God can't be real because this person doesn't act like it's real see i had this I began to develop this hole in my soul that I tried to fill over and over again through college through even the, the end of high school and college I, I played baseball for a year, and uh, I got cut I wasn 't good enough, and that left me empty. so I had to turn to something else because my identity had been found in baseball. my identity had been found in, in my girlfriend before that and then in baseball and then I, I joined a fraternity it was jo- it was um, found in that so after that, I began to experiment with drugs, experiment with alcohol, experiment with things that I thought could fill this hole in my soul, but they were only temporary solutions to an eternal problem. My eternal problem was that I wasn't where I was supposed to be, that I was carrying a burden that I was never supposed to carry. I became really depressed, became on pain pills, on, on marijuana, and, and this hole became just deeper and deeper. On June 20th, 2015, I put a gun in my mouth and wanted to pull the trigger. I began to question God. I began to say, God, if you're there, you better do something or I'll do it. You better, you better act up or I'll do it. And Romans 5.10 says that, says that once we were enemies of God, that we, before we were Christians, are literally enemies of God because we're going against him. See, I was this enemy of God. I was this criminal on the left. I was this one rejecting Jesus. I was this one that was ignorant to, to what Jesus could do in my life because I hardened my heart. Because the Christians that I saw that I was looking at weren't being Christians. They weren't reaching out. They weren't evangelizing. They weren't sharing the word with me. They weren't sharing love with me. They weren't showing grace to me. And finally, a buddy came home and inv- began inviting me to, to Bible study. And I would say no. I said no, I think 13, 15, 16, 20, 20, something weeks in a row. I just kept saying no, no, no. I don't want to come. And finally, I just broke down. And I said yes, I'll, I'll come. Like... You got me. I think they were frying fish or something that night. And, uh, and, and I, I went and I sat in this room with a bunch of, I was, I think, 20, 22. Um, and I sat in this room with a bunch of 25 to 30-year-olds. And, and I began to look around and I began to notice something. I began to see that people really cared. I began to see that people really had hearts and people really were changed. I began to see something that I never had, that I never experienced in my life, and it was love. <laughs> and if God is love, these people had love. That was the most amazing thing that I ever saw because, because I felt like I mattered to them. I felt like in a sense that I had something to do with, with their love and I could feel their love. And just like this one criminal, I began to figure things out. See, on September 9th, I, I surrendered my life to God. And September 9, 2015, my life changed. See, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ through li- who lives through me. And, I've been cru- and the life that I now live, I live in faith by the Son of God who died and gave himself up to me. Amen. See, that is, that is what being a Christian is about. It's about dying to ourselves. It's about living for God. And this is what I began to do. I, I, said, I said, God, if you take me out of the mess that I'm in, I will serve you for the rest of my life. That I will give you everything that I have because you're the only one that deserves it. You're the only one worthy of my praise. You're the only one worthy of my breath. And that began to be my cries that, God, just save me. Just help me. Just save me. Just get me out of this mess and I will be yours forever. And whenever I called, he answered just like this other criminal. But there's three things that I believe that this criminal shows us. And the first one is that he knew the difference in seeking help from God and seeking God for himself. So he saw the situation that he was in and he sees the circumstance that he's in and he doesn't say, God, get me out of this circumstance, but he says, God, be with me in this circumstance. Be with me in my circumstance. And Guido, I have the, we had the privilege of working with a lot of um, prison, the prison ministry, 12,000 as, as I talked about earlier, and we have a lot that write in and I have began to exchange letters with these people, I'm writing back and forth every three or four weeks because that's how long it takes to get to the system, but I've never had a prisoner pray when, please pray for me to get out of prison. Please pray that they'll release me from prison. They pray for God in prison. That's the mindset that we have to have is no matter what our circumstance is, that God, we want God there with us. We want more of God there with us. We want to be God's in it. We want to, want to praise God through it. That God will walk through it. That God, God says that I will be with you in the river. I will be with you in the valley. Does that mean he's always going to deliver us no does that mean he can yes but it's the fact that our hearts are changed to, that he all we want is him verse 40 we see that he, he didn't ask Jesus to take him off the cross and three questions are raised here and, and they're they're just pretty pretty straightforward questions and I believe that they search our hearts um, the first one I, I, I thought of was this are we loving God because we see the reality of our own sin and wickedness, wickedness before him or do we love God because it's what we were raised doing? Are we going to church to go to church, or are we anticipating an encounter with our Savior? And something this this morning actually just happened um, in Egypt, in, a, in two little cities. There was a, two bombings in the middle of the Palm Sunday service. I feel like me talking up here right now, and a bomb goes off. The death count right now, last time I checked, was at thirty six. <clears throat> Are we taking this church for granted? Are we taking this time for granted? Because there's people that are dying to go to church; they're literally in the in the face of the devil, dying of it. My my second one is: Do you see God as beautiful, or do you see Him as useful? Is He just a piece of your life that you just seem to piece together as a puzzle, or do you do you see Him as your whole puzzle? Do you see Him as your whole life? Um, John Piper he he talks about a tire iron. Think of a tire iron; you keep it up under your back seat or in your, in your trunk, and a tire iron is not beautiful. You look at a tire iron, it's just a piece of metal. But the only thing it is is useful. And you only use a, use a tire iron whenever you really need it, whenever you have a flat tire, right? Well, that's, is that how we're looking at God? Are we looking at God as... as we only use Him when we need Him. Do we only need Him when, when our mom has cancer or whenever... We have a baby that's miscarried. Do we only cry out to God because something's something that's bad and we need His grace or we need His mercy or we need Him to, to deliver something or are we crying out to God every morning because we we want Him? Because we can't do anything without Him because we're dependent on His grace and His love and, his, and who He is in our lives. Number three, my question is, do you have a growing relationship with Jesus? Do you love Jesus and His Word or do you spend time with Him or do you just put Him on the back shelf? And the second thing this criminal understood is he understood that he was guilty in verse 41 he says we are punished justly getting what our deeds deserve see this guy was a um, he would have been what's labeled as a terrorist right now to Rome so he's saying we're getting what we deserve even though he believed that what he was doing was right he still saw his sin in the eyes of God and in the eyes of God's righteousness and saw that he was guilty it makes me think of David, and David in Psalm forty fifty one says, Against you and you only have I sinned. Think about that, David. Against you, God, only you have I sinned. What about Uriah? What about Bathsheba? What about the nation of Israel? Does he not care about, about that? But the idea is that he saw God so supreme in his life that whenever we see God as supreme, everything else will work itself out. That whenever we see God as God of the universe and we have a reverent fear of God and and awe of God, that everything else will begin to work itself out. See, he didn't just. See, don't get me wrong. We're all going to sin, but the evidence of our salvation and the evidence of our repentance is when we look at sin and discuss and battle against it. Every day we're going to have a new battle, but it's the, the, the same battle that keeps on coming up that alerts your mind, that alerts your heart, that says, we have a problem here. The third thing is that he asked Jesus to, to save him. Think about it. He's a, he's a criminal to Rome. He's on a cross for being a terrorist. Um, and he looks at Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I know you're perfect and from heaven, but when you get to your perfect kingdom, will you stop down? And will you think about that little guy that was on the cross next to you that said, Hey, will you remember that you just met? It's crazy. It's crazy that he calls out to Jesus in this time, in the last moments of his life. But the craziest part that is that Jesus grants it. See, think about it. This guy had nothing to offer Jesus. He couldn't go on a mission trip. He couldn't make a testimony video. He couldn't write a blog. He couldn't evangelize to anybody. He has nothing to offer Jesus. But there's true repentance there, and that's what saves him. He looks at God for who he is, and God is in the mission of saving people. God is in the mission of evangelizing. God is in the mission of bringing people closer to him. That's his point. See, there's John 3.17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but so the world might be saved through him. That the mission of Jesus is to save. And Jesus saves by grace, that he showed this criminal grace. He showed showed this guy, this criminal on the left that says, Jesus, just remember me. And Jesus says, yes. He replies, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's the essence of our salvation that we are being united with Christ that our lives are being changed that our hearts are being formed into the image of God that is what sanctification is that's what we strive for as Christians that's what our hearts should, should yearn for and long for is that we want to be more like Jesus every day the, I want to be a better Christian tomorrow than I was today I want to be a better example to my kids as, a, as a, better than I was yesterday I want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better grandma, a better grandpa. I want to be better because God desires for me to be better. God desires the best for me. God desires to bring other people to Himself through me. See, salvation isn't just a thing. It's a, it's a position change. That our position of our status goes from orphan to son. That it goes from being Rejected to being reconciled. That you are now identified with Christ. That you have been adopted. You have been reconciled. You've been ransomed. You've been redeemed. You've been justified. You've been forgiven. That is the essence of salvation. And and salvation is, is resting in that. Jesus looks at the criminal and me and says, As of right now, you're with me and you're mine. See, I went through this life as ultimately a, a criminal of rejection. And I went through the life as, as the other guy. Living for the world, living for myself, being selfish, thinking about myself in every single decision. But whenever I cried out to Jesus, He answered me and He brought me to the other side. And since then, my life has been restored. I've been, my eyes have been opened, my veil has been torn off my life. And I've been able to see what God is doing in this, in this community and in, in this world. And that God is still in the mission of bringing people into himself. So that's my message today, is to, to remember what this cross means. So this cross means that, that at once you were an enemy to God, but because of this cross, you have been made right. You have been reconciled, you have been ransomed and redeemed, and you've been bought with his blood. And that blood costs a heck of a lot. So let's not take it for granted. See, we have this misconception of of what what God's justice is, and what this really means, and what this redemption thing really means, and what this cross really means. But it means that, that God looks down on you, and He does not see your sin, and He does not see your past, He does not see your struggles, He does not see your shame or your guilt. That He sees Jesus. That it's Jesus in my place. That that's what we are whenever we're Christians. So I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up today, and I just ask you to just search your heart of. Of where where are you? Where are you with your relationship with God? What are, what are you doing to to sh, to be with God? Every day, and I think next steps are very important. Every day, I believe that that you can you can better your relationship with God. That nobody's ever going to have it perfect. The disciples never had it perfect. Paul never had it perfect. Nobody had it perfect. So that we may strive towards the excellency of the upward prize that we are called to. And that's what the message is. So if y'all will pray with me. God, we just, we thank you for the cross, God. We thank you for every ounce of suffering, God. Every ounce of blood, every ounce of our sin, God. Every ounce of our shame, every ounce of our guilt, every ounce of our past mistakes, God, that were left on that cross, God. We thank you for putting them there, God. God, we ask you to just, be with us this week, God. Let us be Jesus to somebody else, God. Let us let us love with reckless abandonment, God. Let us leave our own selves behind, and God let us follow you, God. Let us die to ourselves daily, and let us live the abundant life that you promise us, God. Let us fin- let us rest in the finished work of this cross, God, that it it has been finished, God, and that we know in three days, God, that Jesus comes off that cross and that He rises again. God, that our Savior is not in a tomb, he is not on a cross, but he is alive. God, we just thank you for that. Jesus, we thank you for being our advocate, God. We thank you for being, letting us be ambassadors for your word, God. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray, amen.